All right. Well, welcome, everyone, to a very, very special episode of Dark Corners. It's one that I'm very excited about. We have just wrapped up, as you may know, if you've been following us, uh, the 13th episode, which is the end of the first season of Dark Corners. Uh, 13 stories now, and that will be the pattern. And we'll resume the second season on June the 1st. So it leaves us a little bit of time here in May. We did have one episode, that 13th episode here in May, just barely made it into the month of May. Um, but there will be an interlude, and that's why we'd like to post, while we're posting this really special episode, a live interview with the person behind all that wonderful, great, creepy music on Dark Corners, Mombi Yulman. So Mombi, welcome to Dark Corners. It's great to have you here and have a chance Thank to Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's oh, very exciting. Yeah, well, this is exciting for me, and I think it'll be really a lot of fun and get a little bit of behind-the-scenes kind of uh, take on what goes on about the music. And the music, I mean, I've got to tell you, it, it just adds so much. I have fun making up the stories and then recording them. I don't know mm -hmm. how other people are about hearing their own voices, but you, you know, you kind of like, it always sounds different to you when you hear it. You can always find a million things wrong with it. But when I add that music to it, it's like it just transforms and it becomes this another thing, another life of uh, is given to it with that kind of music. So I was yeah. searching for something like that, knowing that I wanted to have some background music. And that's what brought me to you. Mm -hmm. And I know there are people that just provide ambient music and learned a little bit more about that. But I doubt that's what your purpose was when you went into it. You probably weren't just looking, oh, gosh, let me provide some music for some podcaster somewhere. But how did you get into the process of making, you know, dark ambient sound? Right. Yeah, it's a loaded question um, called there's so many avenues and everything. I got into it. Um, I've always been a fan of soundtracks and film scores. Um, so when I started out doing music, I was, I kind of got into the industrial scene, approach it like I'm going to be writing songs, but, but even that was more soundtracky kind of, I always want to incorporate melodics and this and that. So I was just obsessed with soundtracks and that's kind of what I needed to be making was soundtracks. Uh, when I came across ambient music, um, I realized that there were subgenres of ambient that were more soundtrack light and uh then i came across i didn't know people were actually creating dark ambient what we call dark ambient and i was like there's really no difference between this and the soundtracks i grew up with like that that format but um that's that's when i realized like that's what what i wanted to be making that's that was the avenue there there i could express myself in a million different ways and without having to confine myself so much to a particular genre or, or anything so um and also i love the kind of the storytelling aspect of making a dark ambient album um you can kind of go in there and just tell your own story, you know? So, but yeah, I can thank my girlfriend though, because she, she listened to a lot of ambient music. And um, <clears throat> when I met her, she introduced me to a lot of uh, styles of ambient that I wasn't used to. And then it just kind of from their groove, you know, Again, load of questions. <laughs> like yeah, I can see that it. The, you could have come from a lot of different places to uh, to arrive at where you are now, but it's and then without being 
very proficient in the field, but just a little bit of exposure. It still seems like your work is is rather unique. And to what seems like it to me is the uh, that storytelling aspect of it. That there's just a, a concept or a suggestion of a story, whether or not. I mean, you you do provide a little bit of background, just a minimal amount of text uh, for each collection of tracks that you offer the albums. But there is a story there, and I, I think that's kind of, yeah. for me, obviously, it's something that I love, the, the, the power and the suggestion of a story. You mentioned um, on, on your website, too, the term soundscape, which I think is a really neat idea. It kind of seems mm -hmm. like uh, that cinematic quality, too. What is it that you, you mean when you, you reference or you use the word soundscape? Soundscape, yeah. Um, I would say Wendigo was a really good example of soundscape. Soundscape being, you know, it, it's subjective, but I consider soundscape something that's a little less melodic and a little less in your face. And you're exploring just a sheet of sound and you're gradually coming in with this and that. And you're, you're exploring noise and, and incorporating maybe soft, subtle, is it their melody? Mm -hmm. um, that's a real soundscape. And I think the majority of Wendigo was, I went in with that idea of a soundscape and there were a couple things that got a little too melodic and they were really good pieces. But I actually, after I was completed with those pieces, I was like, this isn't going to work. You got to take it out. So that's what I did. And then I replaced it with something that was more true to what I went in. However, those those uh, unused tracks are actually going into another thing, so they didn't get thrown away. So. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. They'll always find their way, I'm sure, into something else because you, you oh, yeah. just going to fit in better. But it does seem like if it's not an actual storyline, then mm -hmm. pieces like that or collections like that and Wendigo um, do take a person on a journey of sorts. I mean, yeah. it may not have a, a, a well-mapped out track of where you're taking the person or maybe it does but it definitely seems like you're you are watching someone and and making them react and feel and uh i don't know do you see it like a journey when, when i'm actually in the composition phase like actually making the music do i look at it as a uh it's an interesting process um because i usually go in with an idea and i'll just start composing and I'm like, this sounds more intense. This sounds like a chase theme or mm -hmm. this sounds there. And I'll go ahead and go with the music and the feel of it. I'm like, that's the mood. That's the atmosphere I'm going with. Um, not sure where it's going to fit in the album quite yet. But then I'm like, okay, we, we want to take those same groups of instruments and, and do something completely different. So you start gradually piecing together and it starts to come to you and it starts to form a, a story. I usually just go in with a single idea, like with Witchworks, I knew I needed an, a, a dark ambient 80s <laughs> horror film score, very much so in the vein of John Carpenter. I didn't know an actual story though. I, know, I knew the mood I wanted to evoke. I knew when, you, when you've done so, so much at this point, you know that the stories are going to come in the end. And there were even things I didn't piece together until I was done with the mm -hmm. entire uh, album. And then I arranged the tracks in the order that would sound like. I was like, you got a story here. But I think key is not, 
Uh, at least in my, for me, I don't talk about exactly what's going on. I, I like I like the uh, listener to piece it together. But, so, yeah. One of the things about uh, I was thinking of in terms of, of writing a story, you just mentioned it, that there might be a point where you go, this sounds like a chase scene uh, mm-hmm. or an opportunity for something like that. Do you ever try when you're I guess it's more in the act of piecing it back together again. Do you try to like maybe follow and, and writing a story often if you're going with a traditional pattern, you know, you set your your setting, basically the situation, add a little conflict and tension builds to a climax and it may or may not, especially with horror, uh, it might have some resolution at the end where things kind of calm out. Sometimes mm-hmm. it seems like some of your your stories, your albums did do that. So I wondered if you did consciously go back and say, well, I want to create this mood here first and then build up a little tension. Did Tasty Humans have mm-hmm. anything like that going on? Like you kind of have, it seemed like there's almost a story there. Um, there is even that one's the one of the more vague stories for me. I still like feel like I listened to it and I, I still piecing stuff together. Um, that one, yeah, I mean, it's it kind of um, there are times where I, I know that there's a chase towards the end. You have an opening, you built some tension, but you're missing something between this and that. And that's one of the good things about not being specific about the story because you might not even know exactly what it is, but you know, that's where that needs to be. Uh, so yeah, there were times with Tasty Humans. Tasty Humans was kind of this one thing that where it's just complete randomitis because I was really doing like some, some weird scratchy lo-fi ambient throughout that so um yeah yeah that, uh but certainly there's a story but it takes place in the 50s and during the times of drive-in movies and whatnot um that one more than any was all about weird soundscapes and just you know um but yeah sometimes i do i have had to compose things just because there needs to be something but I don't, when I go in and compose it, I don't go, okay, there needs to be some kind of filler. Like, go ahead, go in the studio, have some fun, do something, but it needs to stay like this. You uh-huh. don't need another, you don't need another <laughs> climactic sounding something. Just take it easy. To, you know, depends yeah. on the area it needs to be. So. Well, that's cool. Well, and speaking of Tasty Humans specifically, there's a song, I uh, think, uh, uh, Naringo Just Ate My Baby. or Naringo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a Ringo, yeah, which some that's kind a of plant. plant. That's a flower, right? <laughs> yeah. But and I yeah. looked it up and I thought, this isn't an alien-looking bloom. So I wondered. So what yeah. was the story behind that particular flower? Did you? you no, know, it it's, it was a play on the whole. Um, what, what was that movie, A Cry in the Dark, with Sam Neill? In that famous line was, um, "A dingo ate my baby. A dingo yeah. ate my baby." So. <laughs> I, I wrote the piece of music and as I was composing it, um, it sounded like uh, a plant, something going like opening up a windowsill. If you pay attention, you hear something opening this. I imagine it's like a window opening and these tentacles start or these uh, vines start coming through the window and through the kitchen and you hear the TV in the back and I just kind of picture something, maybe there's a baby sitting there. Anyway, a Ringo being a plant, you know, I'm not sure that that would be the actual 
I guess because these aliens look like plants, you know, just call it a Ringo. But well, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good image. Yeah, people should look it up because it does have kind of spiky kind of petals or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it just it worked out that way because even when I, I think when I looked that up, I didn't even know it would look like that. I was just like, meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's great when things just fall together like that. There's they do, and you'll find a lot of times that happens with making these concept albums, you know, things just kind of fit together eventually. And there's something to the quality of how that plays, because when I'm using your pieces and stories, I, if I were a really good sound engineer, I'm not even a crappy sound engineer. I'm not good enough to be a crappy sound engineer. But if I were a good one, I would put a lot more effort into playing, thinking about, you know, how the music is fitting in with exactly what's being said at that moment. But what happens for me is I just listen to it after putting some pieces together and I go, Oh man, that worked out just right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's so much fun when that happens, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I love it when that happens. Yeah, well, definitely. I'm really lucky that it happens, but it uh, your your the music that you have actually lends itself to that a whole lot because there are a lot of variations and a lot of things do happen, even if there's repetition. I mean, I, I say variations, but they're the repetition yeah. is, is important. Droning yeah. sounds are very important with ambient. drones. Yeah. yeah. And I, when I discovered, the thing is, I, I love drone music before it was, I knew it was an actual thing, like in the ambient community. And like, I love, yeah, I was just like, I like to just sit there on one note and just play with it. Yeah, I did that a lot. <laughs> it works really well, but then it changes and you have other stuff too that, that I think works just as well. Yeah. Um, since all of your stories, well, some of them lend themselves a little bit more to being a broad story. And then there's some um, collections that are like definitely every single piece is unique, even though it might be thematically connected. Like, I mean, you've got cryptids are a big thing in mm -hmm. a lot of your work and yeah. the cryptics collections. Now you just have released just like a week ago, the second volume of triptychs mm -hmm. piece yeah. three, three uh, tracks together. But they are connected in a way, but they each have their own stories, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, each each one has their own story. Uh, basically, Triptych is each time there's a Triptych release, it's a series of three tracks. And these tra three tracks are based on totally different cryptids from around the world. And um, a lot of times I, I want to compose music for these cryptids, but they, they just won't fit on an album necessarily thematically just sometimes does it work if i'm going to do mongolian death worm I, if i were to incorporate it in an album I, I have trouble figuring that out so uh anyway for instance mongolian death worm like you're just one track so i'm going to compose something that's dedicated to you and then combine it with two others and they've all got their own stories and that um, that also allows me to explore other avenues as a composer, someone who wants to express this way, that way. I'm not restricted to the confines of the overall sound of a particular album. Um, so that's what I do with Triptych. It's like you, I get to explore these different avenues. And, and thankfully, people like that, you know, just a little EP and they understand it. No. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I think it's great. Do you happen to have anything on hand from Triptychs? Maybe even the first. Set? Yeah, from the first one. Yeah, like, um, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, place.
hear that okay? That's cool. Anyway, really yeah, cool. I mean, I'm telling a story throughout it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's neat. But it has, I like that again. The variation, like I said, it kind of exemplified exactly what we were talking about. There's drones and there's repet, uh, repetition, but there's variety also within the same piece. Now, one thing that's not about the music, but I'm interested in uh, on the all the albums that you've got. The art's really fantastic. Where does the art come from? Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh utilizing a lot of creativity because you don't know how to use photoshop or <laughs> that quite well I, basically with each release um i was like you know i'm going to teach myself how, like how to do the artwork you know it's not going to be great but work with what you got and that's kind of one of my that's a this is one of my mottos really just like work with what you got. Okay. What do I know? What can I learn? How do I make this happen? So um, over time I've gotten better at, at working at the artwork. It's I piece together this and that. Um, sometimes there'll be some kind of stock image, mm -hmm. but I'll manipulate it enough, you know, something that I can legally use. Right. But a lot of times I will turn it on its head completely, change it. You wouldn't recognize it. Um, so a lot of times I'm pulling from this and that, uh, the tasty humans cover mm -hmm. is like one of my favorites. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, what is that? You know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what it was, um, I like telling people this is, is a picture of a giraffe 
and uh, it was sticking its tongue out. So I zoomed in on this tongue <laughs> and just kind of like, I was just like, I'm going to take my time and see what I can do with that tongue. And I put all these filters on it to make it look like some still image out of a black and white movie. And just, I was like, that's, I'll be honest, like I did one track and then that piece, it was going to be this weird single called Don't Eat don't eat or don't touch the plants and because of that image and that track i did i was like you know what this is an entire album right here so we're gonna actually take this image and just run with that that's how tasty humans come about anyway oh, i'm cool. ranting. and i think when we um uh have the time to edit our time together here into a little bit different format. Hopefully we can, well, I'll put some images in from the covers. Uh, yeah. So get that very thing that we're talking about. Cause though, I think the art's great. I love it. I think it really Thank works you. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, that, that makes him feel good. Definitely. Yeah. I pay attention to that as much as anything. I think it's really cool. And speaking of that, that I'll, I'm going to jump ahead and what my normal pattern was. I'll never seem to stay in what I'm thinking I'm going to do anyway, but it, this is a natural segue to um, something I wanted to talk about. People may not realize that they can still order. They can download this, the music you have from your website, but they can also order CDs. And you do a very yeah. unique thing with packaging for the CDs. And I wonder how you got into that. Um, they're a real yeah. pleasure to have. I intend on having them all. I want the complete collection. So, uh, but I yeah. want to have them. And I may not. I don't even play CDs that much anymore. But I want Me to neither. have these. <laughs> I'm glad because uh, I, I, you know, I became a lot less materialistic some time back and I ended up getting rid of all my CDs. So when I went into this, I didn't even think I was going to be making CDs, but I found out that a lot of people still like to collect CDs or what have you. I knew if I was going to make have CDs made, they had to be unique and um they there it just i didn't want a jewel case and insert yeah. and i thought it'd be better to have them um handmade from you know i was like well how can you know take the little envelopes you put them in then punch holes put some string in them paint it you know get creative with it put a little love in there and uh people i i felt like people would pick up on that you know if they felt like actually something uh with a little little love in there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like yeah. it's like getting something special because you open it up and, oh, this is really neat. And you have some little mm -hmm. treasures that go along with them. But you can definitely tell yeah. it's good quality, but it's handmade. And you know that it's somebody put some time into it. It wasn't something that came off an assembly line somewhere. And yeah, it, yeah. it's neat and it goes with the story. Was um, was Witchworks the first or what did what was the first CD that you Witchworks made? Race of the Appalachian was the first one. And that's when I discovered that I wanted to do that for every release. That's why I went back and did one for Point Pleasant also. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it started out with uh, Race of the Appalachian. I want to have that, put the, the jute twine on it. So that every time I do a new release, I'm like, okay, what color is the string going to be on it? And um, yeah, it always comes with like a sticker and... Um, now it's become mandatory pretty much it's like a staple i have to have like a descriptive piece of paper with some artwork on there or something so that's the little things like that are always like this new challenge it's like okay what's this gonna look like or this or that so yeah <laughs> well that's fun i know it could be it could end up being a chore but i hope you still enjoy doing them 
Um, yeah, I do. I do. And I, I mean, I'm, I plan on continuing making the CDs and someone asked me the other day about more tapes because uh, Witchworks was practically made to be listened to on a tape. That's why you hear a lot of tape hiss in there. Uh -huh. um, but I did get a uh, hundred of those made because um, it just had to be done. As far as the future though, um, they cost money to get those on tape and shrink wrapped and all that. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see if it ends up being, you know, productive or efficient to do it that way. But it's always, it's definitely worth, I'm glad you did experiment with it. And I think hope the CDs and everything continue too, and that you keep yeah. trying different things. I think it's neat that there's so many different ways of artistic expression that you can um, do. And not just, I mean, the music's great, but then all of a sudden there's other stuff that goes along with it that people, I don't, I don't know if people are realizing and if they explore that and yeah. when they see it on your website, if they really catch on when it says, yeah, CD available, it's more than just mm -hmm. a CD. It's really uh, an experience yeah. to get the, the CD and, um, and, and the joy of opening up and going, <laughs> it's really cool. It looks like, I mean, the witch works, for example, is the one It looks yeah. like a little album, like a vinyl record. And um, yeah, yeah. As the orange and black, I mean, it's a Halloween album for sure. Yeah, no, good. I'm glad to hear that because. Uh, What's the story yeah. behind? I mean, your story behind which works, if you don't mind. That mm -hmm. um, that was my introduction. That's when I found you first. I think was through that. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically, which works. Um, I think I've the reason I first got my first synthesizer was because i loved horror scores so much like i loved those soundtracks and um there were old composers like john carpenter and richard band and uh these guys that just did these soundtracks i love so i just knew i wanted something that made that droning sound you hear in all those john carpenter movies <laughs> and um where i'm getting to is that i've always wanted to make which works that was like i didn't it wasn't called which works back then uh i just knew i want to make a soundtrack that seemed kind of like one of those old 80s john carpenter as fabio frizzy whatever something that felt like in that vein i mean that's really what i've always wanted to do more than anything i feel like i could die and be a happy man because i made the album you did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was my pinnacle thing i want to do so that um it just got to the point it's like okay i'm actually making albums now go ahead and do that and um yeah that's my, that's my love for for horror soundtracks right there more than well for anything. me it's uh always going to be associated with halloween uh it seems like halloween was definitely a part of it it had to be in your head a little bit it's very orange and black yeah uh, yeah, yeah definitely. Across, visually and uh and i love i'm a halloween fanatic and would love halloween i love halloween year round so mm -hmm. um, well and, yeah i have yeah i'm glad people get that autumnal feel with it because i mean it's also my love for halloween time and i feel like a lot of those horror soundtracks certain ones not all of them but like especially again i keep going back to john carpenter but i when i hear those like i feel fall i can see the leaves falling and all that and like definitely wanted that down to the point i have a track called leaves in there you know yeah so, um yeah, I, yeah, definitely all that place. Well, for folks like us, that is a really special time. And when the temperature turns and the leaves start to change, 
the whole season and Halloween itself, everything associated with it, it's just, it's a really cool feeling. And uh, to be able to capture that and convey that, um, which I think happens for me in that album, that particular one. I love all the other things too, but for some reason that one speaks very much of Halloween to me. So Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's my Halloween album. <laughs> well, that's definitely good. I'm glad I do that. Um, you've already told me a little bit about the cinematic uh, influences for you. but So did you actually end up buying soundtracks to movies? Was that something that was an influence? Or did you just listen to them as you watched a movie and loved them that way? Um, you're like, no, I've, when I was younger, like I went to the store and bought CDs to hard soundtracks when Amazon come along finally back in the mid late eighties, whenever that was. And I was first getting on the internet. I can remember that was like one of my earliest internet memories was buying the soundtrack to Halloween. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I just have this immense CD collection. It was nothing but soundtracks. And um, so I think my parents mainly listened to like Van Halen, Pink Floyd and stuff. And uh, I just, I don't know where I got that from. I don't because nobody in my family really, I, you know, I, they weren't into soundtracks. They were like music, but not soundtracks. Well, you were obviously yeah listening at movies. Movies were affecting you on a lot of different levels. And I guess it affects all of us that way, but not all of us pay attention to it. A lot of us are so wrapped up yeah. in the story, they don't, in, they, they, we're not necessarily uh, aware or cognizant of the impact of the music. But at an early age, yeah. you must have been aware of that music. Yeah. I think, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure how that was. It's like movies were my friends when I was little. Movies were there for me. I didn't have that many friends growing up. Like, I mean, I was out in the country and I, you know, that's what, that's what I did, you know, and I was homeschooled from seventh grade up too. So um, definitely movies were there for me. And somehow I tapped into the fact that soundtracks could be listened to on their own. You know, yeah. that scene was so, was particularly emotional because those notes were being played like that. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I tapped into that. And to the point is like, if a soundtrack wasn't, available i would sit there with a, a recorder and tape the end credits music so i could listen to it on tape back in the <laughs> late 80s or early 90s whenever that was I, I think yeah i yeah i can remember yeah the soundtrack to jaws the revenge wasn't available and i love <laughs> even something like that or psycho three or something like that i just i, I was always tuned in so that's amazing. And that's a true fan. And, and obviously it has had a, had a tremendous impact. And here you are creating the soundtracks when the movies don't exist. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, seriously, I, I feel like I'm actually doing I what I've always wanted to do when I was a kid is like making soundtracks. It's just, there's no film reel there and that's, that's fine. But if somebody wants to pick up like, you know, yeah. doing like a flight to something, well, I mean, you're telling stories, you know, but I, I like that the music is accompanying you throughout it. And I like hearing my music in a different way. 
Yeah. I mean, well, that's yeah. What I was going to ask that. So let me go ahead and follow up on that. You're, you're touching on that. I wondered what it was like. And I have to confess to feeling a little nervous because when I started using your music and then you were very gracious and generous with that, with the way that uh, uh, allowing me to do what I wanted to do with these stories. But then I'm yeah. thinking, I wonder what Mombi's reaction is going to be when he hears this song that he probably had his own visual thing going on in his head with. And then I'm mm -hmm. telling this story and using it in a different way. What was no, it for you when you hear that? Yeah, I'm not so obsessed with, with a particular visual being accompanied to my uh, tracks at all. Uh, I want the music to be explored and looked at in different ways. That's one reason I'm so particular about being vague about the story being told. You know, I want people to fill those gaps in. And it's, to me, it's even better if somebody can take those tracks and p apply them to a story that has nothing to do with originally. Um, so, so for me, I, that's, that's the best thing possible is like when I'm hearing it, accompanying you telling a story. That's, that's what it's all about to me. So well, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, I have yet as a challenger to myself and what I'm looking forward to doing is doing it in a different way. Instead of having, a, I write the story and then I go and listen to the different um, albums of yours and I listen to see what I think might work. I want to do it backwards. I want to just sit and put the headphones on and let the music play and see uh -huh. stories come, which is kind of what you do. I feel like it kind of as you're yeah. creating, some things come to you. Yeah. But I want to see what stories. And I'm thinking I'm not going to chain myself to this idea, but I'm really thinking that season two of uh, Dark Corners may be a lot of that of me taking some of the things that you have already mm -hmm. and seeing what mm -hmm. kind of stories I can spread out from them. Yeah. When you said that, when I thought like. I think that'd be great. Like see where the sound takes you and go off of that. I think that'd be really interesting. Like, yeah. I'm I, looking yeah. forward to trying that out. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would love for you to do that. I'd be humbled. Like if you did that, that'd be great. And yeah. I might recommend to other people who are listening to this. Um, of course I want them to hear my stories, but they can also just go to Bandcamp to mombyulman.bandcamp.com and listen and stream. You can do what I would, talking about doing is just listen to that and see where it takes you and see what kind of things come into your mind as you sit yeah. there and let the music play with you uh mm -hmm. have your own stories but i will yep. be writing some too so we'll <laughs> yeah man like, happen. But actually, yeah. people can do that and then they can obviously purchase it and download it from there too um we were i want to back up to triptychs again since you have two sets and there probably will be more um collections like that if three stories at a time, three tracks at a time. But on the last track of the second volume of Triptychs, there's a really neat um, track that starts to me in a very unique way. It sounded like a um, accordion, uh, very like old yeah. worldy. Can you uh, tell us, maybe play a little bit and then it yeah. changes, but I want to know <laughs> the background. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, like this. Um, that, um, can you hear my vocals? All right. Yeah. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was pretty much, I mean, the tassel worm is a Swedish story. It takes place in the Alps. I mean, that's the folklore is there. Um, that's where the whole tassel worm derives from. Um, and I just built off of that. So basically to me, uh, I want to establish that 
in the Alps feel, have the, the Corians and, you know, just kind of have that. And then it gradually gets louder. And like, you almost, I, I guess there are a lot of images that come to my head. There's nothing really cohesive except that the beginning starts out like you're in a ski lift <laughs> and it feels like you're gradually going higher and higher in altitude and that to the point you have to have a, a mask on and be breathing, you know, through a tank or something. But the idea is that you were hired to go out and track down this monstrosity that is terrorizing the Alps. And he happens to be way up there. It's to me, that track is like a complete like roller coaster almost too. It feels like you are going up the slope and then all of a sudden it just drops, you know, and it's a complete like chase throughout or something, something, something bad's going down. So <laughs> well, there's a huge transition in that story. I mean, obviously what we just heard, it's very upbeat and I, I, not mm -hmm. old world, but you know, it's uh, got yeah. that classic feel of uh, the Alps or somewhere mm -hmm. you know, of, of that kind of, uh, I didn't know did you notice read the story did you notice, like when it hits in like you hear like a yodel in the back that's a little jolly almost carnival type of feel and yet yeah. and it transitions into a very darker thing which of course i love because i yeah. when it started it's like where is this coming from and i had the question did you compose that or did you take an actual song from something that already existed uh from yeah, the culture? The, yeah, like, okay, so it starts out with an actual uh, field recording of some, I don't know, it might have been in a carnival or something. Uh, it was one I, I took and I manipulated and kind of add a little bit of this and that to it. But and then I just kind of added, I went over with synthesizers and other field recordings and just kind of made that uh, larger. And then... Um, yeah, even down to the yodeling, that's that's some kind of field recording I used, and it, it's there right when it when it kicks in right there. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It's it's I it's one when I did I was like, the, the thing is I always say this is what the music wants to be. Sometimes I'll go in with an idea and it turns out to be a little bit different, but I was like, no, this is what it wants to be. So I was like, I don't know what you would call this because it's not what uh anyone would would say is classically ambient it's not that but it's it's again kind of soundtrack music you know it has like some industrial beats in there i mean it's but it's very cinematic i would say you know? yeah have you had the chance to play i guess not because of what's been going on with the virus with uh coronavirus and everything but have you had a chance to play that from triptychs to mm -hmm. live oh, yeah, basically, um, I, I queued that up at Cosmic Fields in Florida. Um, it was Nobody had heard it. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. In fact, that was the track I had. A, it's not in the footage you see because I made a little video clip of it and everything. But um, somebody comes in like right after it kicks in. They had to come in and run and turn it down because uh, the cops were around at the time. And uh, there was like some noise complaints. And so they're trying to keep it down, but they didn't expect that from an ambient set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking I, there have to be reaction. People would have to laugh at the very beginning of it. Just that accordion type music and whatnot. <laughs> right. I, I smiles I hope, and people's yeah. faces like, what's going on with this? This is 
not what you'd expect in ambient music. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. Like I hope people do find a lot of unexpectedness within, like if I'm playing a, a set, you know, I want people to be immersed. And if I see them rolling out there, like dying laughing or something, which did happen at Cosmic Fields, like they were just like, I, it was just the mood and the atmosphere and the music combined and just made for a really good experience. I'm pretty sure there were a lot of people like during that, that particular track that were like, what in the world is this? Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. kind of cool too. I, I, very cool, actually, I think to have that kind of a, a variety of reactions. And I, but I just yeah. picked that that would have to be that way. It made me kind of smile and laugh when I heard it at first and then be intrigued as to where it was going. And then when it started to shift, it was like, oh, wow, here we go. And I think <laughs> the whole experience about it that I, that I really liked. So I, I wanted to find out about that and how that went. Now, you've moved naturally into where I wanted to go, which was about live performances. you touched on what you hope people are getting out of your music. Do you mind revisiting that just a little bit about what you yeah. hope somebody who is like at a live performance for you, what, that experience, yeah. what do you want that experience to be for them? Well, I just, I, I want them to be immersed in kind of, um, you know, a lot of times when people go see a show, they're, they're expecting to dance or this or that when it's not someone in front of the stage singing, um, it's, it can be a, I want to say a challenge, but I mean, doing, and we say live, but I'm actually, I'm actually doing like a DJ would do with his music. I'm just, you know, I'm bringing my controller, I'm playing, but adding to that, you know, with, I guess the, a little bit of the glamour and the kind of, you know, doing myself up, uh -huh. wearing a Wendigo mask, um, things of that nature. And I only want it to grow. I mean, I, I, I can envision some crazy things. It's just, I got to get around to making these things. And, um, but I want people to, to be able to sit back in a field and watch and just be fully immersed and go, this is, this is taking me somewhere, you know, yeah. a lot of times, like anytime I played, like it's been like two or 3 AM in the morning or something like that. So this time, you know, if people have been at a festival or something, they can, they're just at this point, just kind of zoned out, you know, and they can go out there and just kind of enjoy a couple hours of a little bit different kind of music and just, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, you mentioned, uh, but especially for this year, everything's been cut short. I guess the performance you were just talking about, was that in January of this year? It was or? in February, I think. In yeah, February. yeah, it's right. Yeah, because it was Valentine's Day. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, right. um, that was a great experience. And there were quite a few people out there. I mean, it was primarily a psychedelic trance, yeah. psytrance event. Um, and it just... 
I played one other Psytrance festival in Asheville and <clears throat> it all kind of fits, you know, the whole, I, I usually play at a chill out stage is what they call a chill stage. So people that want to get away from the dance for a bit, they can escape, just kind of chill out. And um, yeah, I mean, that people have been very responsive to it, like very good words have been said and people seem to want that to happen again. So, I mean, I foresee like in the future, like having maybe more props, and uh, more to the visual aspect. Like mm -hmm. if I could have people dressed like Mothman and the tassel worm running around yeah. while this music is going, I mean, is I think it would be okay to like Alice Cooper it up just a little bit, you know, I maybe we'll see. I'm, that's the plan. Anyway. Oh, I think it would be absolutely. I wanted to ask if you would also consider depending on the type of music, sometimes you could, like you say, camp it up, but then other times are my, I can see dance. I can see all sorts of people who with a background in dance, you know, interpretive dance mm -hmm. or whatever you want, having, being a part of the experience when you've got yeah. light and a lot of different effects that could happen from that. Yeah. yeah I can see this being a multi-sensual experience. Um, I think so. I, if, if it can happen, then I want to make it happen. You know, that's kind of the idea. So I'm actually all all ears when it comes to ideas about uh, what could be further uh, incorporated into the shows. So I, I would like, yeah. So if you ever come up with any ideas, let me know. Or if anybody yeah, else. Okay. We're, we're yeah. Scooting <laughs> on the idea for Halloween too. I've still got an idea back there that we might be able to try out. We just have to cross our fingers and who knows what's going to happen with, with uh, I mean, what happened to you here? You were going to have uh, your plan, I think, was this was the the Wendigo year. And so the live yeah, performances I, would have been, I, you know, the stag. Yeah. The stag I, I said that Wendigo was, or 2020 was the year of Wendigo for me. And I don't know. I mean, may, maybe saying that cursed everything. <laughs> 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 but um, I, I do know there's a different kind of trickle effect happening from from the whole Wendigo thing. My my plan was to wear that mask every show, you know? Right. And at least I got to do it at Cosmic Fields. I had this vision of having there in my red, wearing that mask. And it ended up being better than I anticipated. Even my girlfriend, Baruska, she got in it and she had her antlers on. And there was like some improv moments between me and her. Like I was on the stage and she was on the ground and there's just like some real interesting magic going on there and it just kind of like like yeah one day i'll release that footage uh what little is there but yeah, it's yeah. i did stuff. see their little clips and you have some still photos i think from that on your web on your facebook page yeah yeah Which are still a still shot or two mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great be, that'd be great to yeah i think that would be a really cool experience but i do think it'd be an interesting it's a different experience for sure but as you as you said it's more like djing and maybe it'll become vjing with the more visual aspect of it but you're yeah. into it at that point in time and you're not really having to manipulate a whole lot of you're not playing you're not having to layer things it's already pretty much produced yeah yeah yeah, these are pretty much me, just like any day DJ would do, is take music and <clears throat> they just make it a set, you know. Um, if one day I could incorporate live musical elements, I will. It's pretty much just, you know, I produce everything here in the room and then it becomes a WAV file 
And that's it for me to take um, a keyboard and hook up to the computer and utilize other elements. That's like a whole nother world to me. And I think eventually in some small way, I'll be able to perform more, uh, maybe have an actual live instrument in there. I mean, you, you never know. Basically I'm seeing where these avenues lead. So. Right. But, uh, yeah. Well, I'll look forward to that because I look forward to any of it. I hope that, eventually not too much more time is going to pass before we'll have venues opened up again. I don't want it to happen before it's safe, but I do uh, look yeah. forward to how we can do that. And, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man, cause I was supposed to play at uh Equinox maybe this year in Asheville. And um, I don't know. That's in. Yeah. September, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think everybody's on hold. Waiting yeah. to see what's going to happen, and you know, yeah, the whole COVID thing yeah, put a damper on that. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. I was got that was the other question too. Just the, the sad part of all this, and many many sad parts to all of this. But mm -hmm. for performers, it really does rob you of uh, a good part of not only income but of your outlets for being able to do things. How has it affected you? How has this whole COVID nineteen thing affected you? Mm. I, I'm very fortunate in the fact that my job um, is an essential business. So um, I'm fine for the most part, as far as things like that, that goes. I feel really bad for people who are out of the job right now. Um, me personally, and as an artist, um, I, I don't feel like it's changed anything, to be honest. I'm still on this. I had a vision before all this went down and I'm sticking with my vision. I, I don't, you know, I even saw some ambient artists like were inspired by some things in a weird way from the virus. And yeah. I, I, I don't find uh, any inspiration whatsoever from a virus, this virus going on. It would be the equivalent of like if Sasquatch, or aliens were in everybody's front yard and everybody was talking about it. I would no longer be interested in writing music yeah. about UFOs. So, um, creatively though, I'm, I'm still on this, uh, I, uh, album I'm working on now and it's just grown. If anything, I've, I guess I've gotten more creative by being, I was going to say cooped up, but I'm not even really cooped up anymore than I usually am. So I'm yeah. just on a usual creative role. Well, I have to, yeah, I share a lot of that same feeling because I write, I stay cooped up. I kind of live like a hermit to some extent. So, yeah. And I don't have any desire to write about this. It's, a, it's an exact same feeling that you just said. I don't have any desire to write about that anymore. We're living it. It's all around. I don't, yeah. that's not the kind of uh, story. It's scary, but it's, I don't know. That's not what I want to write. About. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that there will be a lot of virus stories, you know, and things will come yeah. out after the fact, but uh yeah, I don't have any desire to do that. <laughs> one, one of the elements, I mean, as storytellers is that we like escapism. Yeah. To, or, yeah. I mean, I enjoy creating escapism more than I enjoy watching a movie these days to escape now. You know, I feel like I want to be that storyteller. So, um, yeah, we, we like to provide an escape instead of a reminder of the okay. horrors of yeah. reality. And I think that's a really neat point. I've asked myself and try to do a little self uh, analysis, like why am I so absorbed and into dark, spooky, scary, deathly images and storytelling? And I thought, well, I actually think there's some therapy in that. I think mm -hmm. 
like you said, it's escapism, but it's also mm -hmm. somehow a way that you, you can manage that story, mm -hmm. uh, especially as the storyteller. And yeah. as a listener or a reader, you know that there's an end to it and that you can dive into it and just enjoy the experience of it as opposed to something that you experience in real life. So sometimes I think it's therapeutic to go into the dark side of things and enjoy them. We like that stuff. We there's That's why yeah. horror movies exist and why haunted houses exist. People pay yeah. big bucks to go to be terrified in uh, really scary places, but it's controlled yeah. in the most part, then they know there's an end to it and they feel like they've done something when they've got yeah. to the end of it. So that must be it a little is. bit about, I mean, your music is not, well, at times it's very spooky and very eerie and it does create, mm -hmm. I don't know if it, it, you have anything that you would consider terrifying. Do you have mm -hmm. things that you feel like are like really super scary? I think there may be moments in Point Pleasant I find particularly creepy. I Again, I think I always like to keep with creepy and atmospheric ghostly, you know. Um, I tend to stray from depressing, dark. Uh, there are a lot of great dark ambient artists out there who already, they tap into that and they do a good job. I just can't revisit it that much. Mm -hmm. um, with what I do, occasionally I can go into some very dark areas, but I, I know how to blend it, you know, and uh, keep it something that you, I, I feel like something that you'd want to come back to and revisit. And it doesn't put a damper on your day or something. You know? Yeah. Do, um, you feel like, do you feel like you're developing a brand of your ambient music? Is there I wonder sometimes. Uh, I went in it wanting to just express myself and hope that I, you kind of find your voice as you go along. And I discovered that I genuinely want to be a storyteller, but I'm not a writer, um, but I can express through music. And over the course of, uh, by the third album or so, I realized what was kind of my voice and music and stuff. And a lot of times I'll tell a drastically, I will tell a story a drastically different way. Uh, I've been told that the music sometimes either I, I've been told that the music sounds like it's from a totally different composer at times, but I've also been told that you can, you can always tell the trademarks, even though yeah. it's so vastly different. There's something there that lets me know that's Mamba Yulman. Uh huh. Yeah. And I, I, th I think that's in even you discover your voice through trial and error and, and releasing stuff and making stuff. And I think that's what's happened is like finally at this point. Yeah, definitely. I think I've found that what I, what people can go in and somewhat expect, you know, a little yeah, bit. I imagine that that is very true. And I think, just as an experience of writing. And I didn't start really, I wrote all my life, but I didn't start to try to publish till I was retired from being a teacher. Uh, Cause if one thing yeah. I time to do it, but you do, I think begin to develop without being conscious of it, sort of a voice that yeah. your style. And even though your music is all over the place with a lot of different things going on, I think there probably is an element where it will be, that's Mambi Ullman, you know, yeah. in the midst of all that. I feel like that does happen. Yeah. It's kind of been revelationary to me to, to, uh, 
find that out, but you know. And probably stuff. an evolving thing that continues to go on the more music that you create. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that will change, but there still will probably be a an element of something that's just present that you go, yeah, that's Mombi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm doing this new album now and there's, uh, even though it's much more of a tribal, organic, very layered epic, um, there, there's a moment or two in there. I'm like, that's from which works kind <laughs> of that, that right there sounds a little bit like a uh, point pleasant or something like that. You know, I'm, there are certain melodies and notes and this, that, you know, you play with and manipulate into something else. And, you know, there's a reminiscence of something, you know, else within the other album. So that's cool. Well, right. With that in mind, what's something what's coming up next? What's the, latest project yeah. or what we can expect to hear soon yeah well this is pretty much official announcement is uh there is an album i'm working on called a shaman's warning uh further tales of witiko and uh it literally like there were some pieces from wendigo that i really liked and i didn't want them not to be on something but they were specifically wendigo like I didn't want to actually take the tracks and rename them and apply them to something else. Like I was like this Wendigo. Uh, so I decided I was going to release an EP of just the those tracks. And then I was like, well, you need a little something else. And once I started composing other things to accompany it, it ended up being this huge album. Like it's, I was like, you, if there's a point I went, okay, this is an album officially. And <laughs> ironically it's turned into probably the biggest undertaking. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, very, um, very uh, shamanic meets tribal creepiness, I guess. Oh, <laughs> but that's it, yeah. I mean, basically, if you had Wendigo and the lore and the Native American lore around Wendigo, and I basically had a album of different characters and creatures, and uh, it's it's turning into to a good thing, I think. So. Oh, that's cool. Is there any way we can get a little taste of it? Uh, got anything that yeah. you can hear? Yeah. Um, one thing is that. Um, a lot of people don't realize like how far back Sasquatch goes. And uh, I got a track called Sasquatch. And that was the original, I guess, Algonquin way of saying Sasquatch back then or something. Anyway, um, but yeah, I'll play a little piece from that. And I might even have a little bit of a live element here. Let me see.
that's well. really cool. That sounds great. Thank that's you. Really yeah. I mean, people have always want a Sasquatch track, I'm sure, at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what's been missing in their lives. They've been saying, that's what I've needed. <laughs> Sasquatch dark ambient dude. <laughs> well, there is something about that tribal feeling that gets in the blood that, you know, we all like it. We all, the percussive element is something that, I don't know, it is primal. It does go into us and take us back. So, yeah. I, yeah, in, which is always kind of a challenge for me because uh, I no longer delve too much with beats and all that. So it's kind of been uh -huh. fun to go in there and like take some real like drum elements and explore that and just have fun with it, you know? So, yeah. Where do your samples of stuff come from? Do you create a lot of them? I've heard orchestral music. Mm -hmm. I've heard chorus of voices. If I was really amazed at that, like, where is that coming from? Do you just find these or how do you go about creating those? Um, yeah, I is the instruments I use, the VSTs uh, I use. Um, I have various choirs and um, top notch recordings of orchestra, of, like every instrument in an orchestra. Um, I could make an entire symphony if I, if I knew how, <laughs> but, uh, I just, I basically take elements from orchestra, incorporate it into synthesizers, which something, uh, some of my favorite soundtracks did was incorporate actual orchestra with, um, synthesizers. What I like about the elements I use is that they're not synthesized orchestra. I mean, even though I'm playing on a keyboard, those are all wave files of actual somebody taking a violin or someone playing a one of the many various flutes I can play. It's, I mean, I it, it's a pretty good, uh, the, the packages I use. The, I really love them, obviously. <laughs> I have a lot of yeah. fun with yeah. Well, it probably took, I imagine it's taken years and years to compile. And I get, are you always collecting and uh, or, or creating the samples? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there are some, a lot of, uh, like this recorder here, this uh, Zoom H4N. It's a field recorder. Um, and sometimes, I, yeah, I'll record my own stuff through here. Um, mm -hmm. and do that. In fact, most of a lot of tasty humans was nothing but recordings that I manipulated and just made weird stuff out of. And um, but a lot of times you can go online, go freesound.org, and yeah, uh, you go, yeah, you can take stuff that are in the Creative Commons in there mm -hmm. and go to town with it and and have fun. You know, there's yeah, it's, I mean honestly, again, I keep going back to tasty humans, but the way that started out, you would not believe it was just literally I took in a microphone. <laughs> this is a, I get to tell the story for the first time. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I took a microphone and I just was like, I wanted to experiment with a particular um, thing in the studio called Omnisphere. And it comes with a whole bunch of sounds, but I want to take my own sound, run it through there and see what happens. So just as a demo, I just went, in the micro uh, in the microphone i just went okay i'm like take that noise and do something with it so i did and that track ended up becoming don't touch the plants the, don't touch the plants is nothing but that sound right there i just made. 
<laughs> literally just that ran through Omnisphere and me doing weird stuff to it, and that's how that album started out, along with the cover image. I mean, that's well, I can promise you that I'm going back to Tasty Humans <laughs> just to listen to that. <laughs> with that knowledge, I've got to go back. <laughs> yeah, just ring that going in. Now you can't unhear it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. this has really been a lot of fun and um, finding out about a lot of the background of how you go about your business of making these wonderful sounds and how they've transformed my stories has been uh, incredible. And I hope that we have the chance to do that again. I hope that we personally get a chance to meet up. We had planned to in March. I mean, we were like a week away. I was ready I to come down to Cary in the Raleigh area. And also to, I was going to the coast as well for the book that I wanted to work on. And then all of a sudden we all got shut down and that was not going to be uh, in the foreseeable future. So sometime though, we will get together and- uh, It will happen. And that'll be really fun. And what I'm looking forward to is actually being a, getting a chance to see you in a live performance as well. Cause I think that would be kind of a fun experience. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably be the oldest one there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anytime so I play the show, there's is so yeah, wide variety of people. No, I think it'll be great, man. It'll happen. And I'm I mean, most of these things happen in Asheville, I feel like. So it's only a bit well, that's home for me. So that'll be uh, an yeah. easy enough thing to do. So, well, listen, it's yeah. been really great having you at, uh, on Dark Corners. It's really right. made for really special um, transition from our season one to season two. And then with the teaser out there that uh, there may be a lot of more, well, there is definitely a lot more Mambi Ullman going to be present in season two, but maybe in an even more unique way of yeah. inspiring the stories themselves. So we'll see Very where that is. Really cool. All right, Mambi Ullman, remember everybody, you can go to that website at mambiullman.bandcamp.com and download the music. I recommend getting the CD because the packaging is so cool. You get little treasures in there. Who knows what's going to happen? We might get charms with the shaman, you know, piece that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, just maybe. You never know with the next one. <laughs> so there are going to be some neat things there. But anyway, you take care and everybody stay tuned. You can keep watching us. There'll be a story uh, June 1st. We'll be back on with original stories. So cool. goodbye, okay. everybody. Take care.